Good evening. I like that. I like that. Uh, good evening. Welcome to another edition of Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by the Saxinian family, Steve Saxinian to be specific. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Joining me right now, James Mueller of the Daily Cougar, sports editor with the Cougar, and Willie Gibson from WTG Sports, Will Knows Podcast, all those good things. How are you gentlemen doing? Good, good. Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. And hopefully in about 30 minutes, Tamer Knight will be joining us as well to add to the to the trio, make it a foursome this evening. But let's get right into it. I'm going to throw a curveball because just in case Rocket fans tune in, uh, we're not going to talk too much Rockets. We'll talk less talk Rockets on Sunday, December 12th. We'll see if the Rockets at that point in time will have a eight-game winning streak, a nine-game winning streak, or a one-game losing streak, or a two-game losing streak because they play the Bucks on Friday and they're at Memphis on Saturday. But my curveball is, gentlemen, I'm going to talk about the WNBA real quick. Real quick. Just real quick. The WNBA announced that the regular season for 2022 tips off on May 6th. And I'm going to pull up something a little different. Just to pull up a little slide that I'm adding to the features of folks talking sports of FTS. We can pull it up, put it on the screen for everybody to see. This is the weekend games, uh, May 6th, 7th, and 8th. Some good matchups for those who are WNBA fans. You can check that out. You got uh, four games on Friday, May 6th, two on Saturday, May 7th, three on Sunday, May 8th. Tipping off with Indiana, Washington, and I don't really care about that. But that next one, Los mm. Angeles Sparks versus the Chicago Sky, the reigning champ, Chicago Sky. Candace Parker, a former WNBA MVP, going against her old team, the LA Sparks, in one of the local products. Shanae Ogumake, hopefully Shanae is healthy, able to play in that game. Then you got Las Vegas Aces versus Phoenix. And I'm kind of curious to see if Diana Taurasi will play one more season. Your body kind of broke down on it toward the end of this past season. Murphy got a new coach. They announced they're going to be a part of ways with Sandy Bondello. So we'll see if a new coach, heck, one of Taurasi will become coach of that of Mercury for her final season. Who knows? And then you got the Minnesota Lynx versus Seattle Storm. That rounds out the games on Friday, May 6th, and Saturday. The Connecticut Sun at the Liberty of New York. Atlanta Dream versus Dallas Wings. Atlanta Dream is in state of flux. We'll see how they do. Sunday, May 8th, LA Sparks against the probably will be 0-1 Indiana Fever, struggling, 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 as they have for almost three, four years now. Seattle Storm at the Aces. And closing out, the Washington Mystics versus the Minnesota Lynx. That is the open weekend of the WNBA season. The league announced that this year's season will be 36 games, fellas. They've expanded the season from 32 to 34, 36 now. They got to run, run this by you guys. I want to run this by you guys. This is something with the second year of this in the WNBA. But they have what they call a Commissioner's Cup. It's an in-season tournament pitting conference rivals against each other during the first half of the regular season. There will be 10 designated quote-unquote cup games per WNBA team and it'll be the first home game and first road game each team plays against its five conference rivals. The team from each conference with the top record in those cup games will compete for a lucrative prize pool in their Commissioner's Cup 
championship game on July 26th. And I want to say the prize money for per player was at least for the winning team, 40 grand, maybe 50 grand. I want to say something mm -hmm. like that. So commissioner's cup. And it's a, an idea that NBA commissioner Adam Silver has kicked around for two or three seasons now. And, and it's some things like this in the WNBA, the WNBA is kind of like a guinea pig to see how it works in their league and then to see what it, if it's successful, try to get an NBA. So just your thoughts on the idea of something similar in the NBA, a commissioner's cup where you have something like this, an in-season tournament. James? I mean, I think the benefit would be you'd get more competition or competitiveness during the regular season because in the NBA you see a lot of stars resting, load management stuff. So if there's, you know, money at stake, you might get some more of these guys playing um, a few more regular season games, which, you know, obviously is good for viewership and things. Um, I think it could be interesting. I don't know exactly um, – if I think it's the best idea, but I think it would be, it's interesting to see how the, it will, it goes in the WNBA and then maybe it is something they can implement. Well, what do you think about an in season cup in the WNBA and the NBA, excuse me. Um, I don't know. I mean, these guys are playing for June. These guys are playing for rings and it's great to say we won the commissioner's cup, but I, I don't, I don't know the buy-in. I don't know that many, if any teams would have a buy-in. Um, to do it. I mean, what's what's the what? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the money will be much more than forty, fifty grand. I mean, I'm have heard. Okay, okay let's. Yeah, what what have you heard? What number have you heard talked about? I, play? I've heard upwards of a million dollars. Yeah, for this commissioner's cup. But I mean, a million dollars. LeBron's making thirty eight this year. I, I I don't. I mean, and LeBron right now is the straw that stirs the drink. In the NBA, he called he calls Adam Silver all the time. So if LeBron says, "Ah, I don't think it's a good deal," and it's gonna be squashed. But I, I just don't know. I don't know. That's just personally. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know that it will fly. You know, I'm I'm kind of in between, James. I think at some point it's going to happen. The the money to prize pool may have to increase a lot to three, four, five million per player. You know, whatever per winning player team winning team and players on the team. But Adam Silver is trying to maintain and build interest during the regular season. And he thinks this is an idea, you know, it's successful in soccer in world football. You have in season tournaments um, in premier league and, and cups over there in Europe. And so he's trying to build up interest. Uh, I'm not sure how many NBA players will be good with it. Because one, are you going to do similar to what the WNBA is doing? And it's, it's not really adding too many games to the regular season. You're just designating games against other conference as games toward the cup. And then you just play one extra game. Would that be what they're talking about doing rather than doing like a week out of it? You know, something like that, like around all-star break or something along those lines, because that won't fly at all. I don't see NBA owners agreeing to less home games you know to to fit in games for the cup i don't think they're going to do that so kind of curious to see how it all plays I, I think at some point we it may not happen until james how old are you i'm 20 
So yeah, it may not happen until James is 30 <laughs> or 40, but I think it's going to happen at some point uh, because it's just, a, if it's done correctly, it could be another revenue generator. And I mean, really that's what start, you know, the straw that stirs the drink is to make more money to generate revenue. But um, we'll see. I want to shift gears. Let's talk about it, James. We're in town now. We're in H-Town. Can I say one thing? Of course, Will. Yes, Before sir. Before we move, my fault. Going back to the schedule, opening weekend, who in the WNBA league office sent the Sparks to Chicago on ring night? That's, that's a, a great question. Messy. No, yeah, that's, that's oh, oh, no question. It's 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 messy. It's petty. Um, yeah. you know, Derek. I wonder if Candace Parker's you know put in a word to the commissioner, Kathy Engelberg, and said, "Hey, I, I want the Sparks <laughs> to see me get this ring." You know, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. hey, I, hey, why not? The NBA is trying to build storylines. Why not? That'd be a storyline, draw yeah. interest. And notice that that schedule that I had up on the screen did not have tv networks yeah because those deals have not yet been finalized and announced yet but that's probably coming in january i would say when they announced the networks and the games on the tv you know with networks things like that but i would say at minimum that sparks chicago game would be on espn so friday espn i could see that happening but we'll see but yeah well hey petty messy nothing wrong with that it's all good here yeah but okay, shift the gears. Let's be a little petty here. James, the Rockets have won seven straight ball games. John Wall has not played in any of those seven. Jalen Green hasn't played in four of them. So clearly, James, the Rockets don't need Jalen Green or John Wall, right? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't agree with that. Um, I think. Like I said before, obviously you want to develop the young guys. Jalen Green, you took him number two overall. He has a lot of potential. Um, you're going to lose games. Um, you want to get him in there. It's great that the Rockets are winning games, but um, you're not going to withhold Jalen Green out when he's healthy just because, oh, we're on a winning streak. Um, a similar situation with John Wall, I think, like I've said before on the show, I mean, if he, if he really wants to play, you got to – he's got to accept the role that he's going to come off the bench to start. And then if he can, you know, prove that he's NBA ready, uh, uh, still a valuable, you know, guy who can be in that starting rotation, then maybe he gets into there or gets traded to a team in contention or something like that. Um, but I mean, I, I still don't think the Rockets are going to make the playoffs. I mean, so it doesn't matter um, if they win, you know, 10 games in a row, but miss the playoffs. Um, the, the, the end goal is going to be the same, the end of the season, nothing's going to change. Well, what, what do you say? We talked about this earlier on KYK and the lunch break, but what, what do you say? Yeah. Um, somebody, yeah, they got to they gotta shut it down. They got to shut it down because, as you said, eight, we talked about the, the discrepancy between the East and the West. Eight and 16 is, what, 13 yeah, in the James, West? The Rockets, with their eight and 16 record, they're yeah. four games out of seven. Yeah, they're the yeah, I know that. I, I don't think it will last. But, yeah, it is it is crazy that, you know, you're eight games under 500 or, and you're, yeah. you're so close to a playoff spot, yeah. But, no, I, I think it's – yeah, they're, they're – it's a nice story now. I think, you know, Coach Silas is – you know, he I, 
I don't want to say he said this to his team or it was said to him, like, yo, you got to show some improvement, but it's helping him. I mean, because he had 15-game winning streaks and back to or 15-game losing streaks, rather, and back-to-back seasons last year and then this year, out the box, basically. They start the season, a 15-game yep. losing streak. So I'm, I'm sure questions were swelling around his, his head. And, uh, you know, I, I like Steven Salas, so I'm glad that this at least – Gave him some somewhat solid footing. But, uh, yeah, the end game is still um, ping pong balls in the hopper. And, you know, whatever it takes to get to that, that's why I think John Wall may not play in 2021-22 for the Rockets. I, I agree. You know, I'm, I'm surprised Rocket fans haven't uh, chimed in on these comments because I'm curious what they think. The Rockets should not, in my opinion, and it sounds like y'all agree, should not make the plan. Should not should not reach seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth spot because they're not good enough yet. They need more talent. They have some nice young pieces, and they're finally starting to show some of that talent during this streak with help from vets like Eric Gordon, and you might as well say it, because uh, on this team, Crystal Wood is a vet as well, 26 years old or so. You know, the vets are playing well. But the Rockets need another top three, top four pick to continue the process. Because to me, the goal should not be to be a seventh seed in the, in the playoffs the next three, four years. The goal should get, be to get home court. That's top four, and then get to win first round, do work in the semifinals, then get to the conference finals, and then ultimately get to the finals. So to do that, you need talent. Rocks don't have enough talent to do that right now. That's my take on that. Okay, James, audience, Will, I'm going to talk about petty. Will, I don't think this is petty with what I'm about to do. Okay. I think this is being objective. Last week, I think, James, I think the Memphis Tigers men's basketball team have lost three straight. I don't think they played since uh, these comments that Penny Hardaway said to uh, Seth Davis from The Athletic. But I'm going to put it on the screen. And basically, if you haven't heard, seen, read, Penny called out the vets on his squad. And here's some of what Mr. Hardaway said. Make it bigger a little bit here. Hardaway said he intended to shake up the lineup in the days ahead, distributing most of the minutes to the players he believes will play the hardest and put the team first. Quote, I'm going to have to be a complete asshole from this point on and only play the players that care, he said. There's a group of people on this team that if I played them, I really feel in my heart we could be undefeated or only have one loss. We could argue that, debate that one way or the other. But anyway, the main reason we have these losses is the veterans don't want to take the young guys under their wings. They want it to be about them. So when adversity hits, they run. I guarantee you we'll start winning because you're going to see guys out there who care and will carry out the game plan. They might make mistakes, but there are not going to be any 
character issues. And I love this. Asked if he had if he had enough asshole in him to switch things up so drastically, Hardaway laughed. Quote, I've got a lot of asshole in me. I'm from the hood. Well, I'm respectful yep. because my grandmother raised me the right way. But if you're destroying the team from the inside and not caring, that'll make me snap. End quote. Thoughts on that? <laughs> right there. I gotta I gotta contrast that with the Cougars in it in just a second. Go ahead. Snap, Penny. Snap. Because he, he's right. Why? But my question is really if you know you had guys that weren't caring, you're the coach. Right. Why were you playing them? You just said there, I know I have guys in this team that if I play, we would have one loss or be undefeated because they care. But yet you didn't play them. So now you want to say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to play these guys. And, and those guys are probably like, coach, I've been here the whole time. What? What? I, I don't know that part. I'm kind of like, bro, what? What is that? You're the coach. James, what what do you what do you say? Yeah, I agree with Will. That's the first thing that sort of popped into my mind. Like, you know, it took you this long to realize because it's happened since he's been at Memphis. You know, he gets a top recruiting class. He has the talent he needs, but then there's internal issues within the program, and he never seems to have the answer. And it's like if it takes you this long to realize that and you're finally admitting it, I mean, it's just a sign of just the disarray within the program. And, yes, Memphis has a lot of talent. Uh, they have a lot of guys um, that, you know, are capable of making it a winning program. But just with the way it's being run right now, I see it. I see it myself like hard to, you know, buy into this Memphis team like a lot of people do, you know, year in and year out under Penny just because of the, what they look like on paper. And, and this these struggles, I think, is an example of why the American Athletic Conference coaches picked Houston men's basketball, of course, to win the conference preseason in Memphis second, because Memphis, as James said, they have a lot of talent. They might have more talent than U of H. But of the two head coaches, who does more with less and who does less with more? Kelvin does. Coach Sampson does more with less. And Penny so far has done less with more. So, which gets me back to a point of the polls. We saw it. Those preseason rankings had Memphis. Some of them had top, Memphis top, what, top eight? Top five? In between, like, five and 12. And U of H was 15 to 20. Okay? Which team is winning, playing well, and which team is struggling? So, polls, preseason polls, as we discussed here many times, just for discussion doesn't mean anything it's just for conversation but here i'm going to play a clip from u of h's guard marcus sasser talking about the vets that he learned from at u of h and also now as a leader on the team he's teaching one of the youngsters jamal shed what he was taught go figure here we go in the year did you sort of take it upon yourself to become more of a leader knowing you know quentin and deja were not going to be here anymore and how did you sort of approach that yeah um quentin and deja they did a good job you know teaching me the ways of being a good leader 
And coming in as my third year, you know, I just knew it was my time. You know, I was here freshman. I had Nate, Dejan, Quinn, and I was a sophomore. I had Dejan and Quinn again. And then, you know, it was my time next. So coming in this summer, you know, I just tried to do the things they taught me, which, you know, is play hard, every practice, compete, you know, um, lead by example. Uh, just I feel like I'm doing a good job at that. Do you think you've gotten better at it throughout the year? Um, yeah, you know, at first I wasn't, you know, not vocal. You know, I just, like Jamal said, led by example. But, you know, as the year goes on, I'm getting more comfortable, you know, talking to my teammate, telling them what to do and not to do, and knowing how to talk to all of them. So, yeah. Good time for one more. Yeah, Marcus, could you just describe Jamal's growth and what you've seen, you know? Um, yeah, he's been really good, you know, every day. I didn't went from guarding him to now we being on the same team, which is, you know, fun. I've I been knew how good he was, you know, having to guard him every day. You know, I feel like he got me better, you know, so it's sharpening each other's arms. I've been knew how good he was. Now we're on the floor together, you know, um, he's picking the defense apart. And then knowing I have a, another guard with me, you know, that's a great on-ball defender, you know, it's it kind of easier knowing, like, I don't have to help as much when he's on the ball. He knows he don't have to help as much when I'm on the ball. So his growth has been amazing. He's helping the team a lot. Amen. That's that's how it should be. And James Mueller with the question there. You heard his voice, his baritone slash bass voice there. And the first question, first two questions were from Chris Baldwin from Paper City Magazine, who I'm trying to get Chris on probably next week's show to uh, join us and share his thoughts on U of H men's basketball. But yeah, that's what coaches want the vets to teach the youngsters, the underclassmen, the culture of the program. And a key, lead by example, iron sharpening iron. Those are cliches, but that's what you want. That's, that's what successful programs, that's how they stay successful. James, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, Kelvin tells the media this all the time. He goes through a list of guys he loses each year and how everyone thinks there's going to be a major drop-off. I mean, just look from this year to last year, they lost four guys that played significant minutes. Two, uh, one's in, on an NBA roster, the other's in the G League. Then you got some other guys um, playing overseas. Um, and the years before that, you got some of your top players that are lost each year. And you think, you know, how are they going to rebound? But he always finds a way to, and it speaks to the buy-in of this program. And I would say, I would argue like Houston's never had under Kelvin Sampson, a top 10 team in terms of talent. Um, but they've been so successful because of just the legacy each player that passes through the program creates and how, how they're intentional about bonding, building this family culture so that it's passed down and it's created this sustained excellence. Um, and it's why U of H has been one of the top teams in the country um, over the past four years or so since, uh, yeah. Agreed. Well, well put, James. And we can go back to clips from previous games, post games. Chazie Moore, newcomer on, on this year's squad. Josh Carlton, big man Josh Carlton, both of them. The culture, the Houston culture, it's different. It's about accountability. I didn't play it, but after one of the recent, I think the blowout went over, over Bryant. Coach Sampson said to us, post-game Will, he said, second half, first three minutes, his vets, Fabian White, 
Brady Chaney did not play well up to his standard. He sat him down. And and, and I like how, I forgot how Coach really put how he said it exactly, but he said effort. You're going to play hard. It's not negotiable. I don't care what they think. If they're not playing hard, they're going to sit. <laughs> so, okay, Penny Hardaway. Which is really strange because it's not like Penny is new to basketball. He's played it forever. He's coasted. I don't know, grassroots is not the same thing, but he's had talent before. So you know the dynamic. So you're the coach. Be the coach. Go ahead, Will. And not just Penny. I, I, I thought about it. His staff. He has Larry Brown. He has Rasheed Wallace. And everybody's just sitting back and just twiddling their thumbs, watching. Like, what? What's the deal? What is the deal? Yeah, it, 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 agreed. It makes no sense. And I'm not. We're not throwing shade on the vets like Lester Quinones and DeAndre Williams, the guys who were on that NIT team, because some teams who win the NIT the previous season, postseason NIT, they have used that as a springboard to success the following season. These guys haven't. So. It's not about you as individuals. Jalen Duran, top guy. Yes, they, you know, Jalen and Monty Bates reclassified to play this season. They're NBA players, but they're not college players. They need your y'all's guidance to help Memphis win. Because if the team doesn't have success on in a college level, NBA teams notice that. Trust me. No. NBA teams notice that they can see they see it. Well, he put up great numbers. The team still lost. So, is he a leader, or, or he just a stat stuffer? He just a, he just out for himself getting stats. Teams see that, and, and let me be more specific: the winning teams see that. The losing teams, hey, he just put up numbers. Yeah, but the team lost. Oh, but whatever, he scored a lot of points though. That's what, yeah. you know. So that's why winning teams continue winning. Losing teams continue losing. Okay, we'll take a break for the fellas. They can get some water. I'm going to do a segment sponsored by Steve Saxinian and Saxinian family. We're going to talk about the Cougs Alabama game. And then after I'm done with that, Tamer should be joining us. And then all of us can talk about the matchup. Solo for me, guys. Do what you got to do. All right, this segment of Folks Talking Sports is brought to you by the Saxenian family and specifically Steve Saxenian. We thank him for his support sponsoring the show, Folks Talking Sports, FTS. 9 p.m. Nine, yes, 9 p.m. This Saturday night, December 11th, the 8-1 Houston Cougars men's basketball team will face the 7-1 Alabama Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on ESPN2. The Cougs enter Saturday's game following a 77-45 win over Alcorn State inside the Fertitta Center on Monday. It was Houston's fourth straight win by at least 29 points. Fans can watch Saturday's game against Bama on ESPN2 with Carl Ravitch and Jimmy Dykes calling the action. Alabama is 4-0 in home games inside Coleman Coliseum this season and is ranked currently Ninth in the AP Associated Press and the coaches' polls. Last Saturday, Alabama surprised a lot of college basketball watchers, me included, when they 
really matched and dominated Gonzaga in Seattle, Washington, in a 91-82 win. The game wasn't that close. The Zags were number three at that time. In that game against the Zags, Alabama junior guard Jaden Shackelford led all players with 28 points on 10 for 16, shooting from the floor, including six of eight from three-point range. He also grabbed nine rebounds. Freshman guard J.D. Davison came off the bench to pour in 20 points with four threes, while junior guard Javon Quinterly totaled 17 points with a game-high six assists in Alabama's win. This season, Shackelford leads Alabama with 19.3 points per game and a second on the team with 6.8 rebounds per game. Quinterly is second on the tie with 14.9 points per game and nearly four assists per game, while Keon Ellis is third in scoring with 12.1 points per game, but he leads the team with re in rebounding at 6.9 boards per contest. Davison leads the team with 4.6 assists per game. Alabama, this is going to be one of the keys. Alabama attempts about 30 threes per game and makes slightly more than 10 threes per contest, shooting roughly 34.7% from three-point range per game. Houston opponents have shot 27.6% from three this season. Houston shooting 38.4% from three this season, making 9.23s per game. Alabama's opponents have shot 27.0% from three this season. Once again, it's the top 15 matchup. I think Alabama's nine, U of H is 14 in the polls. In the net rankings, U of H is four and Alabama's 11. 9 p.m. this Saturday, ESPN2, the 8-1 Houston Cougars on the road against the 7-1 Alabama Crimson Tide. This Houston Cougars segment was made possible by the Saxonian family. Back to my guys. What are your thoughts? Let me get this right. What are your thoughts on the, on the matchup? Looking forward to it, James. Will, I got to take some no-dos for that late tip-off time at 9 o'clock. But Houston, um, Alabama, Coach Sampson said today he's looking forward to it because it's really their first true road test of the season. But, James, what do you think? Yeah, um, there's two things I'm looking for. First, like you just mentioned, it's the first true road test of the season for a lot of guys like Jamal Shedd, um, Tremont Mark, guys like that. They played road games last year, but empty to little arenas. It's going to be loud. It's going to be packed in Tuscaloosa Saturday night. So I'm interested to see, you know, just how they respond um, to that and just, you know, a, a hostile environment. And then, like you said, the battle of the two backcourts, Kelvin Sampson talked about it earlier, how, you know, Alabama's all the talent that you have there, you read their stats, they're three starting guards and then Davison who comes off the bench, all average upwards of 10 points a game. Davison's just right at like 9.8 or something, but they can, they can all score the ball. Um, and like you mentioned about the three ball, that's going to be key because Alabama, if they make their threes, they're tough to beat. Um, but UH is really good at defending the three. So that's going to be, it, there's a lot of intriguing little storylines in this. And I think it will be, um, you know, a good game. And there will be a lot of um, takeaways, a lot we can learn about both teams um, from this game Saturday night. Well, what are your thoughts on what, I read in what James just said. Yeah. You got the I, full screen too, Will, so be ready. Go ahead. Oh, wow. Full screen. I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see the chess match, the X's and O's between Kelvin Simpson and, and Nate Oates. 
Uh, Nate Oates, you know, has come to Alabama in a relatively short period of time. And, and uh, I won't say he's on par with the football program, but he's at least made that basketball program re- relevant. Um, case in point, beating um, Gonzaga on the road, you know, not in Spokane, but in Seattle, uh, not clearly in Coleman Coliseum. So I'd be interested to see that that chess match between uh, Kelvin Sampson and Nate Oates, um, Nate Oates rather. Um, Alabama clearly is a three-point shooting team, shooting about 33% uh, from from the three-line, and Houston is is hangs their hat on their perimeter defense. So, you know, strength against strength, you know, who wins out? So it'd be interesting to see. And also Alabama, that crowd, you know, Coleman Coliseum, not a, a, a huge, terribly big place, but you could be uh, dealing with a crowd coming off of watching their quarterback potentially win the Heisman Trophy earlier that evening. So a little bit of extra oomph in their, in their support for their uh, program uh, Saturday night. So, you know, it should be a good game, though. You talk about no-dose, Chris, at 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern for me. So if you have no-dose, I'm definitely going to have to have a pot of coffee. Yeah, see, James, you're 20 years old. Right. I'm, I'm almost 50. So I'll be 50 in March. So, yep, no dose, coffee, maybe some of Coach Hoberson drinks that he that he <laughs> chugs down six, seven times a day, something to keep me going because Rockets play Memphis at seven. So I got to get post-game of that and then finish off watching the Cougs in Alabama. But, <laughs> excuse me, I'm going to touch on this. This is kind of surprising. The net rankings came out for the first time this season on um, the 6th. And U of H is fourth. But, and is it, can y'all read that right there, Will? You see it? No, U of H is fourth? Yeah. No, okay. And Alabama is 11th. U of H is 8-1. James? Their eight wins, four are against quad three opponents, and four are against quad four opponents. So one of those, the game against Virginia, Virginia struggling. That was projected to be, at minimum, a quad two. And quad two, for home games purposes, is roughly 51 to 75 net ranking. I think, yeah, I think that's about right for home games. But um, Virginia struggling, so that's an issue. Houston's one game so far against quad one, it's a loss that they had against Wisconsin. But eight of their nine games, four against quad three, four against quad four, and they're still ranked fourth. That's what surprises me is that they're ranked fourth. So I think, despite what the net committee said when they first started it, the margin of victory is playing a big part in these calculations because the Cougs have blasted their opponents. You know, the last four wins are almost at least 29 points uh, per victory. But if you're blasting Bryant, Alcorn State, okay, you know, you're winning. But... How should we take that? How impressive is that? 
So I'm looking forward to, and I'm not saying, because I think this Houston team is going to be very, very good come February and March. I'm just surprised they're ranked fourth in the net based on who they played so far. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with you. It uh, definitely surprised me. Just like you said, um, there's no marquee win on that schedule. Like you, like Virginia, who was supposed to be, you know, the big time opponent is, I mean, they're young, they're struggling. They've lost more games than most people expected them so far. Um, but like you said, um, there's many things that go into the net. And so, you know, winning by 67 over Bryant and 40 over Alcorn state or whatever. I mean, that, I mean, it's boosted the ratings, but um, one thing I know with this Houston program is, you know, Kelvin Sampson won't care about any of that. He never cares about any of that. He's going to have his guys ready to play um, no matter what. Um, so, yeah. It, it's an issue. And, and Will, what do you, what do you think about it? Because when the net first came out, I think three seasons ago, there was talk of a being, being a cap of 10 points for margin of victory. Well, I, I think, that doesn't exist <laughs> you know so what are your thoughts on that on the net yeah i mean it's the consistency because that's as you said we it was we were told this would be the the parameters of the net and now clearly what we see does not coincide with that so i i, I don't know what, how else to explain it you said a 67 point win a 40 point win and there's still four that's clearly not taking into account the, the ten point cap that we were told was there. So, I mean, and it's early. I mean, I don't, you know, we talk about preseason polls, we talk about non conference schedules, things of that nature. So, you know, with it being December 9th, maybe by March 9th, you know, we'll see a little different formula. I don't, I don't know, but that is interesting to, to see fresh out of the box, though. And I'm glad you brought up March 9th because I'm going to try to pull it up here. The uh, current net rankings of the AAC men's basketball teams. <clears throat> Look at that, guys. Houston is fourth. Wow. Cincinnati, 39. Wichita State, 62. Memphis, 64. USF, 65. That's it for not in the hundreds. Good for the future Big 12. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But in terms of U of H and quality wins, conference play, where are they going to get them? They don't have them. So, yeah, I mean, they have potential for quad two wins, especially on the road, because I think road wins quad two. And I should have pulled this up. And I'm, I'm, that's my fault for not doing it because I have it on my website. Is a quad two road win is like. It's similar to home because quad one is like 125 and then 26 to 50. And then quad two is like 51 to 75, something like that for, for road, something like that. But so Cincinnati road win, that'd be, that would qualify. Wichita State could qualify and Memphis could qualify. But the rest of the teams in the conference, if they don't, if their nets don't get better, they're going to pull down Houston, Cincinnati, Wichita State, Memphis, and UCF, rather than lift up the conference, they're going to be a drag on the conference and anchor. So that's an issue which James and Will 
gets me into it. It ties in nicely to James said the Big 12. Our last show was so not quite two weeks ago. And we, we touched on our brought it up about why doesn't U of H just go ahead and buy out, pay the exit fee for the American and join the Big 12. And we were questioned on it by by a viewer uh, who, who watched the podcast and commented on it and asked us uh, on Twitter, the comments, you know, basically, why did you not consider this, that, and the other X, Y, Z? The reason I brought up the buyout was because it was suggested to me by someone at U of H. I just made it public. So I went out and made it public without someone at U of H, with, tied to U of H, had discussed it and said it was being discussed. Since then, I've learned, speaking with colleagues who cover BYU, because that was another reason why I thought it would happen for Houston, because initially, we all heard this in September, there was some thought that BYU would try to get out of their buyout from the West Coast Conference and join the Big 12 next summer. Well, the folks I spoke to at BYU said in September, October, they thought it was like a 50-50 chance that would happen. Now it's 80-20 that BYU is going to stay where they are and just wait to join like everybody else in 23. One reason, which I didn't think of at the time, and it makes sense, obviously, looking on it now, is because of all the football contracts that BYU has as an independent and the buyouts to get out of those games would be a lot. So it's not just a buyout to get out of the West Coast Conference. It's buyouts to get out of those football opponents. So saying all that, James, Will, U of H is going to be in the, in the American at least one more season for the 2022-23 season. And then 23, the plan, July 1st, 2023, should be in, in the Big 12. And, and hopefully, because it's still going to be a buyout, because James, I think the contract in the American is 27 months. Uh, and then it's like, what, $10 million plus 27 month notification. Yeah. That's well, e right. Even if they join the Big 12 in 2023, that's not 27 months. So it's still going to be a buyout of some sort. Some agreements going to have to be made between Houston, Cincinnati, you know, UCF to leave the American to go to the Big 12 at that point. But that's one reason why I was discussed. And I don't want to forget this. I'm, I'm dragging on here because Tamer hasn't joined just yet. Will, I forgot to do this earlier mm -hmm. when I was on with you on KYLK because I meant to do it last Thursday show on KYLK. I was very heated, James. <clears throat> uh, if this is FTS, I can say it. Pissed off at the lack of notification from the Harris County Houston Sports Authority regarding the logo launch that took place last Thursday. <clears throat> I named folks, called out names of people who did not contact me. I was hot. You know, why was I notified? Especially considering I've worked with these folks in previous years on bid, Final Four bids for Houston. Well, <clears throat> to her credit, since I blasted her name on the show last Tuesday, I'm going to praise her, give me her credit, Holly Kesterson, the president of the Houston Local Organizing Committee. She called me this week, earlier this week. She apologized for the oversight. 
she did not make excuses for it. She said that they're going to work better and agreed to keep me in the loop going forward. And she's already done that today, matter of fact. So <clears throat> that's that's here. So I want to address that. Acknowledge Holly Kesterson for calling me, reaching out to me and apologizing for it. And I accepted her apology. So going forward, the Harris County Sports Authority and the Houston Round Bar View, no bridges burned there. 2023, James, where will you be in 2023? Will you be out of graduated from U of H by then? That's the plan. Okay, so is your plan to work here in town, like at the Chronicle? I mean, um, I'll take whatever job I can get. Um, I'd love to stay in Houston, but um, yeah, I'm willing to go wherever. Okay, because the men's Final Four will be in Houston Mm -hmm. in 2023, hosted by U of H, Rice, HBU, and Texas Southern. Be the first time four schools will be partnering to host a Final Four bid and work on it. So, James, if you can, keep in touch and get a job here in town so you can cover the Final Four. Because, I mean, you know, were you, you, were you in, in uh, Indianapolis? No, I was not, unfortunately. So, yeah, you, so you, you got to experience Final Four. So, so stick around town in H-Town for a little while longer, James, and uh, cover the 2023 Men's Final Four when it comes to Houston. And wouldn't it be something, Will, James, if the University of Houston men's basketball team is one of the four teams participating in that Final Four? That would be something. Tamer is getting ready to join us. She's said to give her five minutes, so we'll give her about a few more minutes before we, we bring her into the show. James, are you keeping track of the U of H women's basketball game right now? Uh, I've had it pulled up a little bit. I'm not watching it, but they are up five at halftime, um, 35 or 40 to 35. Yep, 40 35 over at Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State is six and two. Houston is to me a disappointing three and five thus far this season. Uh, for a team U of H who had the, the slogan will unfinished business. Yeah. coming into this season because they were so close at, at reaching the NTA tournament last season. Three and five ain't good enough, Will. Ooh. James, it's, it's not good enough. Uh, Jacksonville State, their wins have been over – I don't even know what AUM stands for. After a first opponent, they beat by 50. A-U-M. They lost to Davidson. They beat Sanford by three. Lost to Vanderbilt by 10. Beat – who is this? Institute. Basically, their schedule of opponents has not been great. So for Houston, only be up five over Indiana State. So Indiana State was one of the might be one of the best wins so far, honestly. But Jacksonville State, the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State, rather than South Carolina, is six and two, trailing U of H women in town. Game that for Tita Center, 40-35 at halftime. U of H three and five. Well, I got to put it out there. James going to put it out there. It won't happen this year. Okay, let me say that right now. But uh, Coach Huey's been on the job, James, eight years? I think that's correct. No NCAA tournament trips, right? Yeah. So if they don't go again this year and the non-conference losses this season thus far have not helped their at-large chances, so that means he's got to win the conference tournament. 
which seems unlikely, not impossible, unlikely. So if you don't do it this year, James, you're Chris Pesman, you're in charge. At what point, you're going to the Big 12, Will, you're going to the Big 12 in two seasons, will there come a point where you got to change direction? Because isn't the, the goal, one of the goals, obviously you want your players to graduate, but one of the goals is to get to the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. So James, what, what, what do you say? What do you, what do you think of the thought process is or should be for U of H and Coach Huey? Yeah, you hit on it with the Big 12. Um, obviously, since it looks like it will be 2023 when you're in, you'll have one more season in the American. And that season's pivotal, pivotal um, before uh, you go into the Big 12, you know, increase competition, all that. So you got to decide. Um, you got to make that decision. Um, if you stick with Coach Huey, then he's the guy that's going to run this program in the beginning stages of the Big 12. And that's going to uh, shape a lot of the perception people have about the women's basketball program um and you know if they're just a bottom feeder in the big 12 um you know not really doing much or if they're able to compete so if you think you know he's the guy which there's certainly going to be questions uh, if this season continues to trend how it has been trending then um they're going to stick with him but if if you think you know you need to shift direction then i'd say this off season would be the time to do it um just so that you give your new whoever takes over, you know, a year to get acclimated. And then once you get into the big 12, you're ready and you're, you're ready to show, you know, we belong and we can compete. Well, what do you think about that? Do you think, okay. All right. James, first, let me ask you this. Is there a win loss record in, in you have in mind that you think coach Huey needs to reach this season or is just simply another season of not going to the NCAA tournament justifies changing direction. I mean, looking at it from just the perspective, especially last year, like you mentioned, how close the team was to getting into the tournament um, and, you know, really feeling like they brought back a lot most of the key pieces um, from last season's team and added some. Um, last year they were 17 and 8, I believe. Um, and so, I mean, when you when you think about that, I'm sure they were hoping for, you know, a 20-win season. And I think that's that's a reasonable expectation. Um, and they that's going to be really hard to do now, especially with the non-conference games they've dropped. But, um, I mean, you got to get up into that. I, I'd say, yeah, I, I'd expect 20 wins, honestly, with uh, just – but I don't think it's going to happen this year just with how they've started. Okay, I'm going to pull up the last slide, me and my new toy. This is, I think, the net rankings for the women's basketball teams in the American. South Florida is 32. UCF is 41. Houston is 74, despite being 3-5. and five, But 74 would not get you an at-large berth in the tournament. Trust me, not happening. So that means they need to win the conference championship. Will, I'm not sure they can beat South Florida or UCF in a conference championship championship game. I'm not sure they can beat Tulane or, or Tulsa or anybody else for that matter, the way they've been playing so, so far. 
But you look at those numbers, the American looks like at most a two bid league on the women's basketball side to get to the NCAA tournament. And those two teams, South Florida, UCF, that's not Houston. So right. at what point do you think will? Outside looking in, mm -hmm. do you think that eight years would be enough to change leadership if they don't get to the tournament again this season? Well, a couple of factors. That's what I was looking at, and you, I'm sure, would be able to, uh, you would know this. What's his record at Houston? Overall record, I don't think it's. Overall record, yeah. I, I don't think it's great, James. If you want to look it up while we will not talk, but. Yeah, because I was trying to look it up and not. So I was thinking. Yeah, because he's, he's, had, he's had a couple of. 20 win seasons the the opponents weren't great those 20 win seasons but okay. you 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 beat who you on your schedule right and then he's had a few seasons where not so good okay so so nine seasons no time so no ncaa any correct. wnit yes Yes. I think at least twice. They made WNIT last year, this past season, I should say. They, okay. Okay. Because of COVID, it wasn't a typical right. WNIT tournament, so they, I think, lost one and won one. Okay. So I think it was like um, a winner's bracket, loser bracket kind of thing. Okay. So, you know. Yeah. James, yeah, did you see his record for James or? I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I'm still, yeah. it doesn't no, have that's, that's one thing about women's basketball numbers. They're not as easy to find. No, as, I was as it is for, like, yeah. Search. Yeah. Because um, I, I could have found one spot for it, but it might take me longer than, than we have time for. No, that's so, fine. Um, yeah. So nine years, no NCAA, a couple NIT, WNIT. Um, kind of give him last year as a pass through the, the COVID pandemic and things of that nature. So I won't necessarily count. And that, and it's funny, I'm all kind of against him, but that was the closest he got to the tournament. Yes. Imagine that. Um, yeah, that might be it. That might be, it. especially you come into this season as close as you came to getting to the tournament last year. And you don't make it, yeah. I think I think the change and and you tell me. I was thinking this uh, coach Mouton on staff is that someone that potentially could take the reins if U uh, of H were to move on. Uh, that's see. Now we're getting into to to the question of whether you want a clean house. Whether you got the money to clean house, that's another factor. Right. Or it's just Coach Huey is the, the, the needs to be changed and the staff is good enough to get, you know, move Coach Ty, Dillard Mouton to the, the big chair. She's ready to lead the team. Who knows? I'm, I'm not sure. I have someone in mind as a potential replacement. I'm not going to say her name right now, but mm. uh, she's in the state of Texas. But uh, Tamara, I think Tammy, you ready? 
just a quick interrupt okay. real quick. Oh, um, so he's 71 in 114 oh, yeah. uh, and 30 and 70 in conference play. Yeah, it's time to move on. And is, is that counting the three and five this season or not? No, that's up to 2020. So he'd be three and so 74 and 119 overall. Yeah, it's time to move on. So, so I'm putting you on the spot, Tamer Knight. We're talking about how you're doing. Um, unmute yourself, Minty. I do that every time. Hello, everyone. That's, that's all right. Uh, we are discussing Coach Ronald Huey. I, yes. Someone said he needs to go. And I disagree. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They're not having a good season. But it's not like they haven't had better seasons the last couple of years. True. But, and I'm being objective. And it's still a conference. I mean, come on. Very true. But what we're saying is if they do not, at the end of this season, get to the NCAA tournament. That'll, that'll be the what eighth year in a row, I think. No, I don't see the NCAA tournament happening. Okay, so Tamer, that'd be eight years in a row. So at what point, that's, this, this is really the question, at what point should U of H consider chaining head coaches in women's basketball? Well, why is the NCAA tournament, why is that the end goal? I think because I th- it needs to be the end goal. <laughs> well, I agree, but um, you have to consider the factors uh, prior to, you know, uh, Huey being in there. You know, he's what been there what three, four years. So he's the first two years. Cut him he's been there eight, Tamer. This is eight. He's been, been eight. eight years. <clears throat> right, James? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is. He got there okay, in but, 2014. But, so since 2017. 14. 2014. Oh. Okay, but the first couple of years, you got to give him some slack. He has to recruit the way he wants to recruit. Um, he had a new, a bunch of new uh, assistant coaches brought in with him. He had one that left last year, so he had to go and get a new one. And then it's all about rebuilding. I mean, I don't think I personally don't think the NCAA tournament should be the goal right away. I think. First, it should be trying to win the AAC or if they're in the Big 12, then, you know, trying to obtain that and then moving on to the to the to the NCAA tournament. Because baby steps, you can you can't make it to the NCAA can, can, tournament. Go ahead, Will, because I got I got a lot to say. But go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> you guys in Houston know way more than me. Granted, I give you that. But I hear an overall record of 74 and 119, there's no more discussion. You're 74 and 119. That you, we have to move on. We have Tamer? to move on. I mean, well, when you think about it like that from an overall standpoint, then yeah, that's not even 50%. I mean, but that's more than like 50%. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Is it? Is it? But is is he the problem? Is it the people he's recruiting that's the problem? Is the is it the assistant well, that's, coach? That's him. Then. Oh, that's him. He's the problem. <laughs> recruiting is him. The assistant coaches could be him. 
But then maybe he has high expectations for the athletes that he's recruiting, and then they're not coming out there and performing the way they should be. That he's recruiting the wrong athletes. And then that's, that's a coach's right. problem then. <clears throat> but let's just look at some of the teams that they played. They beat Howard. Texas A&M Commerce, they should have won that. Stephen F. Austin. They should have won. Stephen F. Austin is a good team. They were tournament yeah. team last year. But the way they lost that game was, was, was awful. They just collapsed in the third and fourth quarter. It was awful. Awful. Okay, they went overtime in UC Arlington, 66-69. Not bad. It wasn't a blowout. Still but it's, it's still a loss. Okay, I agree. New Mexico, they've been dominating. I think they um, – I mean, it's New Mexico. <laughs> and then Arizona State, you couldn't possibly think they were going to win that one. But it was oh they did. But they, they did, did beat Arizona State. They beat them oh. this year in Cancun and beat them last year in the WNIT. Will so they they have wins over uh, you know Power Five programs. Arizona State kind of a down time for them because Arizona is not rolling through that state in the Pac-12. But Tamer. Okay, we knew they weren't beating Baylor. That that's given. Of course, no no so, question. Okay, so Baylor, the Tamer Baylor's in the Big Twelve. Right. right, so U of H is going to the Big Twelve. U of H <laughs> so need to com compete on Baylor's level, right, James? Right, yeah. Will. So oh. we're saying, is Ronald Huey the right person to lead U of H in the Big Twelve? Now, when you say it like that, he's gonna have. Okay, well, let's yeah. just rewind because I remember me, Andy, and Will. We were here prior to football season, and we were asking the same thing about Hokerson, and we were very iffy if this was the job from him for him. And, I mean, they didn't win at all, but they did a whole heck of a lot better than what we expected. So let's just say, benefit of the doubt, we give Ronald Huey the remainder of non-conference and then conference play to prove himself. Then will you guys still say he has to go? Yeah. No, no. Well, yes, Will is saying that. But we're, what we're saying is at the end of this season, if they do not make it to the NCAA tournament, which for them to do so now looks like they need to win the conference championship in March. So if they don't win, get hot for those three, four days, win three, four games in a row to get the automatic berth, that would be eight straight seasons of no NCAA tournament. They're getting ready to go to the Big 12 in two years. Do you want to have wait until you get into the Big 12 before you make a change? Well, you have to remember they just renewed his contract, what, two years ago? Which didn't make sense to me then. <laughs> oh, my God. He's won 38% of his games. 38%. <laughs> what what are we keep what are we talking about here why 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 is that a discussion 38 percent of your games okay you so if, was, if they were to replace him who would y'all like to oh, see him my goodness trust me every year like i said I, but, I have i have someone in mind right now who i won't put on blast like that but every year i get text messages calls from prominent coaches when are they gonna let this man go but then i, I, I want to I, I could do better at because what people see on the outside looking in, Chris, look at all the talent in the city of Houston and the surrounding area. Look at all the talent in Texas. 
I can do better. That's what that's what I'm hearing. They'd have to prove it, but all the talent will. James Tamer. Look, look at the teams in the Big 12. Almost all of them have a talented player. Hell, across the country, have a talented player from the city of Houston. Yeah. yeah. If not the state of Texas. So that's what I'm that's where I'm saying. The okay, goal but- should be to get to the NCAA tournament because, as Will said, Tamar, this is the question for you. I'm going to ask like for this. Phrase it like this. Will said Coach Shuey's winning percentage is 38%. On the men's side, men's basketball, there's no way on this earth a head coach on men's basketball with a winning percentage of 38% would be around for eight seasons. It shows... To me, this is what I'm. This is my point right here. It shows to me the administration does not care enough about women's basketball to be a big time program to be nationally relevant. Because if they did, changes would be changes would happen at the end of this season if they don't get to the tournament. Tamer. Well, first of all, if we get two things, if we get. If they got a new coach, it would still take another one, two, three, four years to rebuild. So that's another four years. Not baby. necessarily. Not to get the right coach. And not now the transfer portal. Trust me. You get the right coach. And then you made another comment. You said you could that shows, you know, that they have he has been there for eight years and no changes and it it signifies that. There, no one cares, or administration don't care about women's basketball. That's across the board. Rather, it's college, WNBA, you know, high school. It does. It that's that's a given. And we not necessarily. It depends on the program and who's in charge. That's true. But what you have to remember is, U of H is not known for women's basketball. It it was almost twenty years ago, when he had one of the best players in history of the program. Chandy Jones and, and that team made it to two straight tournaments. Chandy Jones and Nicole Oliver and, and Santo Little, they had teams going to the pros. So Yeah, but that's, many years. Exactly. That's the goal. Will. That's the golden era of U of H women's basketball. Since then, they have done nothing similar to that. They had one great year 10 years later. And since then, we are where we are about no trip to the NCAA tournament. James, you haven't seen it. You're mm-hmm. at the Cougar. You haven't seen an NCAA tournament team on the women's side. No, Tamar, you were there at U of H. You didn't see it. So, as Will says, and Coach Huey is a great guy. Great dude. Great interviewer. Great person. Positive speaker, motivational, all these things. But, James, Will... The slogan for this season was "Is unfinished business." Because and last was, year was their last year was their redemption season. That's what because, they call right? last year because they were so close to getting to the NCAA tournament last season. They were the first of the first four teams. Ironically, they were sixty-five team sixty-five last year. This year, sixty-five would make it because the NCAA has expanded to sixty-eight on women's side. But with that slogan, unfinished business, the team has said, James, you heard it. The players have said it. The goal is to get to the NCAA tournament. Mm. Right, James? 
Yeah, and like you're saying, I mean, like you're saying, they have most of the same guys returning. Um, you can't take a step backwards when your slogan's unfinished business. You got to take that next step forward. But right now, they've taken a major step back with their play. Yes, I think. Why are you guys team? giving them such a hard time? It's only non-conference. It's accountability, Tamer. What I put it, I put it like this. James, well, I think you've known me. You've learned this about me in the short time we know each other. I hold everybody accountable. Men, women, my team, your team. Accountability is important to me. So if you're going to tell me your goal is to get to the NCAA tournament and you don't do it, yeah. you know, that's on that's on them. They started it. They started it with the slogan. They're the ones losing these non-conference games to, for the most part, teams they probably should not have lost to. At least we thought that on paper. Yeah. Well, speaking of women's basketball, number three UConn just lost to Georgia Tech. The first time they've lost to an unranked opponent since 2012. Um, I'm not surprised that they lost. Yeah, because Page, Page, Page is out. Yeah. Um, Az Foot is out. Another one of their guards is out. So their backcourt was, I think, down to maybe three people. Maybe. I, I, say, I say that to say we're talking about keeping the man that's won 38% of his game. <laughs> what, what are we talking about here? Yes. What's, what's the – Will is asking it as a person from Ohio State. What are the expectations for U of H women's basketball? Because if they want to keep the status quo, then keep doing what they're doing. If the goal is to get to the NTA tournament, and notice what I said, everybody, to get to the tournament. Yeah, I didn't right. even say get to the second round, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, to win a championship. I said just to get to the tournament. Right. He has yet to do that. When he was hired, he said he believes this team, this program could be a Final Four team. They haven't even got to the tournament. Okay, let's let's think about it like this. So prior to this last season for football, we were on the same exact conversation. Get them out of here. He redeemed himself in one season. So do nope, you guys nope. still think? But Dana's he been gets, here for two. Nope. Dana had two years of experience. This is but eight. The, but but yeah, do that's you not think, eight. That's not eight. But do you think Holgerson needs to be gone too, or you guys are giving him another try because of what he did this season? I'll say this. I'll say this again. I'm outside looking in. He's been here eight. This is year nine for Coach Huey, right? Eight going on nine. Okay, so year eight. That's two recruiting cycles. And in two recruiting cycles, you've had two sets of seniors. And you haven't made the tournament? You're winning 38% of your games? <laughs> Where are the pitchers? Who who does he have pitchers of? Seriously. And who? see, that's a whole other. Will, when we're done with this, I'm going to call you. Because I, I got some stuff to say off the record. Trust me on that one. Absolutely. Um, but Tamer, Coach Hogerson, this is year three, right? James for Coach Coach Hogan. Yeah. They went 11 and 2. They won 11 in a row. 
their overall schedule strength was not great. It was it was full of cream puffs, but they won. Okay, so that's first thing they won. Coach Huey hasn't done that enough. Like Will said, thirty-eight percent winning percentage. That's not even fifty percent. Thirty-eight percent. Okay. And I'm kind of curious as to what fans will say, supporters of Dana will say, if they lose the bowl game and end the season with a two-game losing streak. Lose to Auburn. That's what they play, right, James? Yes. So I'm kind of curious what they'll say if they lose to Auburn. Because UVA's Auburn named some of these t- t- teams that UVA's played on the schedule so far this year. Mm-hmm. When, are, when are they playing Auburn? I don't see that on the schedule. On the 28th, right? 28th. 28th? 28th, yeah. December yeah. 28th, Birmingham Bowl. So, oh, it's not on the schedule. Okay. So, so, and let me be clear as a member of the media, I'm going to be objective. Always maintain, try to be objective for, for everything. But even if, as an alum, the expectation for U of H wins basketball, what is it? Because, as Will said it many times, 38% winning percentage. Is that the standard? Since Joe Curl, may he rest in peace, passed away, and that program won a lot. And toward the end, because of Coach Curl's health, he couldn't recruit and go out on trips and bring in the talent like he had there for a, a window. That team was three points away from facing UConn in the Sweet 16 when he lost to Santa Barbara in the second round by two points. If they would have faced UConn, probably would have lost. But that team was talented enough to compete with UConn. But to be on national TV, that game could have transformed the program for years. But it didn't happen. The program hasn't been the same since Courtney Taylor and Brittany Mason and those teams ran through the conference a few years ago. Tamer, the goal, what if the goal should be to get to the NC tournament and win? Right now, I'm just wanting them to get to the tournament. I mean, that's the reality of things, but because that's Tamer, the... let, let me flip it around like this. Rice, Rice has got to the NC tournament twice. Won the WNIT last year, won the WBI. All that's going on at the same time. Coach Huey's been at U of H. I'm just saying. Hey, I don't, I don't have a rebuttal for that one. You got a point there, James. What's the score of the game right now? Have you, are you keeping up with it? You yeah, Texas it's fifty-three forty. Um, the Houston's pulling away, but um, yeah. Okay, so so that's good. And also, I want to add this. Layla Blair for U of H is the best player on the team, best scorer on the team. One of the best players in the conference. She's from the Houston area. What at what if this? What if Layla says, because of the transfer portal, Will, James, Tamer? What if Layla Blair says, I'm tired of losing. I want to win. I want to get to the tournament and decides I'm out of here. I'm transferring to to Baylor to, you know, whatever. 
what if that happens? Then what? Where does Coach Huey go? If your best player leaves, decides to leave the program, and I'm not saying I don't know if she is, I haven't talked to her like that. I don't know, but that could happen because we've seen players transfer for less reasons, right? You know, so if that happens, then what? Tamer. I mean, it's. I mean, it's 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 a. It's chess, not checkers, you know? So if U of H can't win, I don't see nothing wrong with her or any other player uh, moving on and finding something that's best for them. I mean, I can't really rebuttal that. And and while Huey could be there another four years, they only get X amount of time to prove themselves. And I totally understand if, you know, they were to leave or if she was to leave to go and pursue something else. But women's basketball in the city of Houston is just not doing what it should be in general season. We got TSU. I really had hope in the Huskies. Um, at home, they can seem to get it done, but on the road, same for U of H. So I Rice is all right, but I mean, Rice is off to a good start, but as a With whole, a new coach. With a new coach, by the way. New coach, yeah. Let me add some contrast to this. So – I'll cover Ohio State. Kevin McGuff is the head women's basketball coach here. Been here eight years. He's 171 and 85. Winning percentage of 67%. And in some circles, Kevin McGuff is on thin ice. Expectations are different. Yes. They're they're vastly different. And that's an issue that I've had and dealt with covering women's basketball here in town for going on 25 years, 25, 30 years. Tamara is correct. Women's basketball here in town from administration's support is a rumor. U of H side, eh, whatever. TSU, eh. HBU, eh. Rice, they care about Rice. Rice has had success, but Rice has had success and I'm not sure how much the administration cares about Rice women's basketball for the last two, three years. That's what we're dealing with. And Rice, they only, I don't know if this is biased to say, but I feel like they only just started to care about Rice after what Langley did for the program the last couple of years. That's fair because, you know, she got them to the NCAA tournament. But the lack of NCAA tournament appearances by the Houston area women's teams is one reason why I started covering Texas A&M women's basketball and Baylor and Texas because I knew those teams going to the tournament and going to get things done. So it worked out for me because I made connections with those three programs, you know. So, but from a Houston perspective, the expectations for women's basketball here in town in college are not great. They could be better. I think they should be better because of the talent in Houston, in the yeah. Houston, in the greater Houston area. Can I just say this? I think like to your point about all the talent that virtually none of it, that talent is staying in the city. That that speaks everything you need to know. Yes. And it's been that way for years. The young ladies see it. They see the lack of support from administrations to, for those programs. They see the lack of fans in the the arenas, the gyms for those programs. So they're like, some of these girls 
play in front of larger crowds at the high school games than the college games at U of H, Rice, HBU. So they're like, why should I stay here? I don't blame them. Tamer, when's your next HBU game? Saturday, Southwestern Assemblies of God. Oh, okay. Well, that'll be a win for HBU. So get, get your filament material ready for that one. But, but the thing about HBU women's basketball is the last couple of games, they either have do, done two things. One, they get off to a slow start. So now they have to fight, fight, fight in the second half. Or two, they can't finish. And it's costing them horribly. Their record does not reflect the type of team they are this season. And I know for a fact, Coach Donna Finney is not happy about it. And I mean, they have a good, they had a good non-conference schedule. So let's not forget that they played some really decent teams. And I guess it's good that they get to learn from their mistakes in the non-conference, but definitely not the start to non-conference play that I'm sure Coach Donna was expecting, nor I was expecting. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up on this edition of Folks Talking Sports. Tamer, how can folks find you on the internet? You guys, media. hey, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Teen Night Sports. I'm on YouTube at Tamer Knight. Also, AT&T Sports South Net, Southwest. I am the host of the TSU Sports Show. A new episode came out today at 5. Rerun tomorrow at 4 p.m. So if you can, watch it, and I'll love to hear from you guys. Will, how can folks find you on social media? Appreciate it. You can find me on uh, social media, Twitter, Will Gibson 7 as well as Will Knows Sports, all together. Um, Facebook, Will Knows, the Will Knows Podcast, and WTGSports.com. James, how can folks find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JDM2186, and all my uh, work is at thedailycooper.com. Thank each of you for joining us on another edition of the Houston Round Ball Review presents Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by the, the Saxonian family. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. Houston Round Ball Review has been around since, I think, longer than Jane's been alive for sure. <laughs> I think longer than Tamer's been alive since 1994. Local name, Global perspective. Tamar, are you that old? Are you 28 yet? Just turned 27. So 1994, so, I was born. So so there we go there. So see? But yes, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll give you insight. And just wanted to put a bow on this. Start of the show talking about the WNBA. End of the show talking about women's college basketball. We can do this. We can talk about football, basketball, men's, women's. We do that on this show. So if you want to become another sponsor of the show, hit us up. We can make it happen for you. Thank you very much, everybody. Will, sit by your phone. I'm about to call you. Absolutely. Right, take care. Yes, sir.